0: Welcome into another episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast for the thinkers in Freight. We are proudly presented by SPI Logistics, and I am your host, Blythe Brumleave. I'm happy to welcome in Dan Sisershi. He is the GM and VP of Transportation Management Solutions over at Descartes, and we're going to be talking about overall freight market, how you know technology and ocean shipping has a trickle down effect into the wider freight market. We're entering in peak season, so there's a lot of moving parts going on. So Dan, welcome into the show. Excited to dive in. Great. Thanks to
1: thanks for the invitation, Blythe. Good to be here.
0: Absolutely. Now, you you have a very extensive background within the freight industry, Uh, of course, you know, co-founding MacroPoint, but I'm curious as to what happened before MacroPoint. How did you get involved in in the freight space, which I think is always an interesting story?
1: Sure. Uh, Yeah, so uh, probably like lots of people, I didn't start out in the the freight business. Um, My partner, Bennett Adelson, and I started a tech consulting company. And so we were doing technology consulting, working for companies building custom solutions. And then around 08, 07, 08 we wanted to we wanted to diversify and create a a recurring revenue platform. I don't know that SaaS was even a, a term back then. Mm-hmm. And we piloted a few things, but, you know, uh, MacroPoint ended up being one of the pilots that we had and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we work closely with a couple of key customers, um, uh, and and really the the rest is is history. It took off like a rocket ship, and and we went with it.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I, I it, it, so you had a few companies maybe in your portfolio of services, yep. and this was the one that that worked. And so, uh, what, what was uh, I, I guess sort of that I guess that catalyst of starting the company was the early signals of it being successful. But then how did you sort of move it to continuously sort of evolve over the years? Because, it, sure. you know, I think for a lot of businesses, especially in the freight tech landscape today, it's, you know, there's the the moniker of like, oh, are you VC-backed or are you going to be a startup? And, you know, who's going to really be successful? So I'm curious as to how you – you you obviously, you chose the business, but how you decided to grow it.
1: Yeah. I mean, we bootstrapped – Bennett and I uh, funded it ourselves – uh, our initial inclination, though, for MacroPoint was actually to be build an ELD device mm-hmm. on a consumer grade phone. So we were going to be kind of OmniTracks on a phone, and uh, we had probably four or five hundred units out in the market. But we kept hearing customers say, "You know, that's not really a problem for us. We have, you know, Qualcomm or OmniTracks, and and but if you could help do that to our the the freight we put on other people's trucks, that's what we're interested in. So ultimately we pivoted and as any good, I think business entrepreneur, you, you really got to listen to your customers, hmm. understand where their real problems, is, problems are and, and lean in. And uh, And then that's what we did. Um, we took every dollar we brought in and pushed it right back into the business hmm. and um, um, and really had our, Our payment models, our billing models were supporting the cash flow of the business, so we encourage customers to pre-buy, quote-unquote, deposit uh, money in the account that really helped fund uh, our ongoing growth so we didn't have to take on uh, VC money.
0: Wow, so so it sounds like you you did what every good marketer does, and that is listen to your customers and then create those additional solutions on an ongoing basis. It sounds like that the, the customer first priority, what what has been, always been a priority for MacroPoint.
1: Totally, I mean, we have no ego in in telling customers what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, I think listening to what they need and coming up with innov- innovative ways to solve that is really the secret sauce. That, that we hit in and, and there's lots of freight tech businesses in the space that have, done the, that have done the same thing and it really, again, aligning on what is the real problem and then innovate a, a around how do you solve that.
0: And so what was the point that, that you decided, or, or, or maybe it was, you know, Descartes coming to you, that, that you said, well, I think it's time to to make the next jump, to make the next move, you know, instead of being bootstrapped, you know, partner up w- with a bigger company that can allow us to to grow even more. What, what did that process sort of look like for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, we certainly had lots of opportunities to work with other private equity uh, firms, and, and we did take on a year and a day before the Descartes sale, uh, a private equity partner in Susquehanna, and they were great because uh, we saw the opportunity and we needed to lean in and spend to really capture that. And uh, and then Ben and I decided that um, you know the opportunity is bigger than than kind of the fork in the road of do we continue to dump more into the business? I mean, we're Midwest. We have to be profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we never uh, tried to lose lots of money quickly. Um, and then, you know, the Descartes folks, it was just a natural kind of transition. We saw the, the global network of sellers and customers. Uh, I mean, Descartes has 24,000 customers globally, and we were excited yeah to get to those customers fast. And, and that gave us the opportunity to do that.
0: I, I'm curious as to how, you know, so, sort of, you know, tracking technology within the U.S. I think is kind of a given, but is this may be like a, an ignorant question, but, you know, overseas or maybe in other countries, are, how are they receptive to this kind of technology? Is it a little bit more of a, a sell or is it maybe an easier sell than it is to, to maybe like the, the U.S. market?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's certainly uh, the EU has laws that make it sometimes a little bit more difficult, although mm-hmm. we see California and other states really mirroring, I think, with uh, with the EU on that. Mm-hmm. I think the they're just as receptive. Um, I mean, early days of MacroPoint, after dinner, I would call drivers every night to get them to install the MacroPoint app. And I learned, oh, that's interesting. What, you know, I learned what their frustrations were. Um, you know, we certainly heard good, bad and everything in between about about MacroPoint in the early days. But at the end of the day, drivers are, are I think, similar regardless of, of the geography in that they don't want to be bothered. They're open to sharing updates with their customers um, and they don't want to receive phone calls at two in the morning from God knows who asking him where they are and when they're going to be there. Um, so once we broke through the communication of to the carrier and to the driver, here are the problems we're trying to solve for you, uh, it, it, uh, it expedited the deployment for sure.
0: Do you think a lot of those same concerns uh, from the early days of MacroPoint still exist today? And it, or is it a sort of just a similar challenge that you're, you're trying to explain that this is ultimately, you know, for the betterment of everybody, that you can have this kind of technology at your fingertips?
1: It's come a long way. We don't have the challenges that we did in the early days. Hmm. Um, and I think because drivers know in terms of how we build our app and our tech, we'll give them the ability to protect their privacy. We, we care about that as much or more than any other data element in our system. We've built a nice brand name and trust with the long tail of, of small carriers and drivers throughout uh, North America, and, and they've grown from from there. So that that's been good. No so, more so talk- after dinner phone calls. Me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine that the, the the customer research. You have a, a little bit more help in the in the customer research yes. department. Yes. Now. For sure. When you when you join Descartes and and you have access to this ex, you know extended team now, I was surprised to learn because I was listening to your interview with, with Duner on what the truck and that you and because typically after a company is acquired, you know the staff doesn't stay around, um, definitely not the leadership, but that's the reverse for you guys. What was sort of that transition like that you said to yourself, I, I'm going to stick around, I'm not going to you know just take the check and run.
1: Yeah, I mean, I certainly, um, in full transparency, didn't expect to, to, to be around. Um, but I love what I do. I love the people I work with. Um, I think we care about each other. And we still feel like it's a mission and a problem we're solving and a huge still opportunity for innovation in front of us. And you put all those things together, and I think good people want – want to to stay on the bandwagon and then we've gotten great people post acquisition to join that's helped keep keep the the business accelerating and growth and and capability
0: and now w- with MacroPoint, how has I-, I guess the technology evolved over the years? It, it, I because I remember working at an asset-based freight brokerage, you know, twelve years ago, and we were talking about this new technology that we had in MacroPoint. So that, I'm curious as to how it's evolved over the years since then.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when when we started, we were really starting with triangulation of a cell phone, so working with the cell carriers to really give us the data once the driver has opted in. Hmm. We've since evolved away from that. And and we have now a mobile app deployment where, you know, there's over a million drivers that, that use that app. We have a, an enormous ELD connective infrastructure. So every major ELD solution in North America and, uh, and the EU we're connected to. And so that gives our carriers the opportunity to within uh, a minute, do a self activation and onboarding to the MacroPoint network, Hmm. which that's really new in, in our business. And then, you know, we connect to the, the super regional and, and, and major carriers through APIs.
2: Are you in freight sales with a book of business looking for a new home? Or perhaps you're a freight agent in need of a better partnership. These are the kinds of conversations we're exploring in our podcast interview series called The Freight Agent Trenches, sponsored by SPI Logistics. Now I can tell you all day that SPI is one of the most successful logistics firms in North America who helps their agents with back office operations such as admin, finance, IT and sales, but I would much rather you hear it directly from SPI's freight agents themselves. And what better way to do that than by listening to the experienced freight agents tell their stories behind the how and the why they joined SPI. Hit the freight agent link in our show notes to listen to these conversations, or if you're ready to make the jump, visit spi3pl.com.
0: And so, you know, as we uh, transitioning a little bit to um, some of the other offerings that that Descartes offers and that you mentioned in our show notes, the advanced ocean tracking, and I was watching uh, FreightWaves the other day. And so they had mentioned, you know, this trickle down effect of, of ocean shipping and how it affects really the rest of, you know, sort of the freight market, especially in the United States. We're entering peak season. So I'm curious as to what's Having access to these other tools, what perspective do you have on what's going to go on during this current peak season, which is maybe the first quote-unquote normal one we've had since 2019?
1: Yeah, I mean, and and we just released some research on uh, cargo volumes, I think, last month, matched 2019. Hmm. So we're kind of, if we take out the crazy peaks in in covid we're now back to about where we were in 2019 so um, so we're seeing certainly our customers are seeing pricing kind of normalizing for container shipping um, I think the awareness though for congestion the impacts that that has on our customers downstream businesses are higher than ever. And so we give our customers the ability to, and those customers are freight forwarders, they're shippers and they're freight brokers. At the end of the day, they want to know the one question is, when should I send a truck to pick up the container? That's the question they need to answer. Mm -hmm. And so what we give them is the ability to visualize. We predict, you know, we take terminal data, uh, ocean shipper data, AIS data, put it all together. We're integrated with the U.S. customs mm-hmm. service. So we can kind of pull together and tell you in real time when that container has been custom released, mm-hmm. when it's arrived at port, when it's last free day. is. So there's lots of information that we try to pull together, overlay some dynamic predictions, and then communicate that out to our customers to to know essentially when to go pick up that container.
0: That's a a perfect segue into sort of the the tech side of this conversation that that I wanted to have with you, because you mentioned on one of those previous interviews that there are those who have the data and then there are those who know how to use it. What are some examples of usable data in, in, in freight that you think that folks should be paying attention to?
1: Yeah, I mean, and that is, and I think that's probably the biggest thing that's changed in the last 10, 12 years is the amount of data in the industry, tons of it. I mean, there's, Mm -hmm. we have data on everything. I I think too much. (laughs) Well, it is for sure. I think the innovations now are really around harnessing kind of what one, how do we make the data better? We do a lot of machine learning around improving um, truck IDs. Right. So what truck should we track? And, you know, the customer might get a bad truck number from the carrier. We do a lot of machine learning around solving for that and saying, no, this is the good truck that should should be assigned for that load, right? Or if we think going back to ocean, here's the last free day. And can we then start to apply alerts to customers on the last free day, right? When has it been, like I said, custom released? Um, You know, we do a lot around predicting Arrivals, you know, the but the but the raw materials, as I've said before, the real time location updates and event updates really are the underprintings for all the awesome insights that you can glean related to detention, demurrage, performance of carriers, performance for your customers, performance on each consignee. I mean, there's tons of insights you glean once you have those raw materials. We've Feel like we've carved out a differentiated capability to really get at that raw material data.
0: Hmm. Super interesting because there's there, there was another uh, quote that I, I heard you say the the gold rule of or the golden rule of carrier management. Um, can you explain what that is and, and why it's so important? Well, yeah, I mean,
1: we and this is something we do in in my family too is. You know, it's not about treating others how you want to be treated, but you treat others how they want to be treated. Right. Mm -hmm. And when we think about our carriers, they're different. Right. We have a great, awesome owner operator base that that leverage MacroPoint to find available loads, to share location updates. Well, they have a different um, set of needs and expectations. And then you get into the, the mom and pop and mid sized trucking companies. And then you get to the J.B. Hunt's and Schneider's like that spectrum of expectations are different. And, and we need to, to understand that, realize that and, and treat people differently based on, on how they want and need to be treated.
0: What are some of those differences between some of the, you know, the owner operators versus the larger carriers? I, I would imagine, you know, maybe budgetary concerns, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think
1: capabilities to share their information, right? Mm -hmm. So we have, you know, take Schneider. They do a fantastic job and have technical capabilities to give good real-time API-based data. Um, And so you have these high-tech market-leading companies like Schneider. And then we have a lot of small companies that they really need lots of help. They need easy ways to share their uh, truck's data with their customers but they don't have a tech staff they don't have a lot of time to manage integrations and things like that so we rolled out a carrier self-activation platform where they can log in and and within a minute or two uh, onboard their carrier uh, their trucks into our network and, and share oh, cool. um, location data just for the shipments that they're on for customers
0: Oh, that's, that's super interesting. Now, you know, there's, there's so much news. I mean, especially like, obviously, the, the, the convoy closure announced today is oh. is big, probably the biggest story or one of the biggest stories in freight all year long. And it's bringing up this sort of heated debate around like the value of digital brokerages and, you know, where they could have, you know, possibly failed and where others succeed. And I think ultimately, you know, it makes some people scared of adopting technology, where I think logistics just at its heart is always going to be a relationship-driven business. So how do you balance sort of tech adoption and, or how do you think about sort of tech adoption and the relationship aspect? Because it feels like that you're very focused or have always been very focused on the relationship side of things.
1: Yeah, for sure. And the convoy, I mean, I'm sorry to see, you know, I think the, the, I'm sure mistakes were made. I don't know enough about their business, but uh, you know, technology wasn't the problem, right? I mean, we think about risk, right? And and every company needs to apply uh, their understanding of risks and and the opportunity against those risks. And and there's always winners and losers. But I applaud them for for taking the risks, and and it'll create more opportunity in the long run for people that there's great people that work in that business today that will be great people tomorrow that are available to work in lots of other businesses. Um, Very true. So, so that's good, but it is relationship. You know, technology will never, will never replace that. I think we look for the high friction areas in our customers, businesses that are low value and we automate those. And then the, the outcome is better relationships, right? So, Our carrier sales reps, our account managers spend more time talking to carriers about lanes that they would actually care about because they have better data in front of them, right? But it's not about automating out those interactions. I think we're a long way away from that.
0: Yeah, and I, I think with the, with a lot of these technology solutions, they're allowing you to get some time back so that your best employees can spend that time, that extra time that they have now, building those relationships. Is that I would imagine that that's a safe assumption for for the MacroPoint team for you guys.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. Free people up to do more value added uh, activities, and I don't think uh, AI or any other fancy terms you want to throw in. Can automate good relationships that when there's a problem, everybody makes mistakes, feeling that there's a person on the other end that cares about your business that you can call. I think that will be important 10, 20, 100 years from now.
0: Are there any areas in, in freight that you think technology can can still solve?
1: Totally. Um, you know, the there's still a lot of Paperwork that moves manually, Um, I think, and and there's guys like Highway that are doing a great job of really trying to find the bad actors more quickly um, to to save some, some, uh, some of our customers. I think, you know, EDI, you know, if you would have told me 15 years ago that EDI would be as prevalent as it is today, it's still growing. Um, I run an EDI platform inside of Descartes. We, we manage, you know, six billion messages a year, I think, and growing. Wow. <laughs> um, and uh, so there's lots of opportunity for innovation, uh, for sure. I mean, we think about our capacity platform, really thinking about who's the right carrier and giving carriers more data on what the right lane is for them. Both economically and logistically, how do we take carbon out of the industry? Reducing deadhead—I mean, like th- those—are the exciting things that that uh, me and my team are still thinking about and seeing ways to uh, to uh, to innovate on.
0: And. You know, we're obviously in a very tight market. There's, there's, you know, we just mentioned Convoy is, is one of them. There, there's a lot of companies that unfortunately are, are going to have to close for this market to sort of reset and 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 rebalance itself. What advice would you you know as you know you ran a startup for years and you're in a very successful business for years, what advice would you give to other companies that are facing sort of that dilemma of how do we balance innovation and also just focusing our, on our core fundamentals?
1: Well I mean I, I think um, profit is the oxygen for a business. Hmm. And if you lose sight of that, and especially in a rising rate environment, the cost of capital goes up, you, you could find yourself in a really bad spot. So focusing in on, am I solving important problems for my customers? And am I doing that in a profitable way so I can reinvest in getting the next customer, hiring the next great employee that's going to help us grow? I mean, those are really what I think separates the successful entrepreneurs. And, and you don't always make the right decisions, but having dry powder in a profitable business where you're solving real problems, uh, is never going to go out of
0: style. Absolutely. Now what's, what's next on the, you know, sort of the product roadmap for, for you guys over at MacroPoint to carts, um, all that good stuff.
1: Well, you know, we have our innovation forum for our customers coming up November 1st and 2nd, where, uh, we have our product managers, our customer success teams, um, and some of our thought leaders are going to be talking about really just that. Uh, I think the quick flyover uh, in terms of what we're seeing in if I want to pick macro point a lot of, again, more automation and enablement for carriers. Um, a lot of things that we're doing in the European markets and South American markets, we're seeing tons of growth in, in, in Mexico as we're seeing some reshoring or nearshoring happening, Um, innovations around kind of more predictions. Uh, We just rolled out our new UI for MacroPoint. So uh, we uh, kind of, you know, two years in the making, we've been looking at and working on kind of the, the new experience for our customers. So lots of our big customers never use our system. They just connect via API but our mid and small customers, they live in our platform. And uh, we're excited about some of the innovations and the notification automation. And and there are really lots of cool things that that our customers are excited about and, quite frankly, have been asking for.
0: Is there anything that I I didn't ask that you think is important to mention?
1: Um, I mean, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think, look, I'm excited, proud to be a part of an awesome kind of stumbled into the freight industry, uh, but I think we all to, did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, proud to be a part of the industry, um, working alongside some some real luminaries, and and I appreciate the logistics leaders. You know, the Shelly Simpsons of the world um, that that really are out front, leading. Good times or bad, I think, are good leaders in our industry. Aaron Van Zeeland over at Schneider, um, all these people that uh, I think you know we appreciate in terms of if I look back, kind of the journeys that we've been on and 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 we've been successful because of uh, of great people like like that. I mentioned Ed Wadel. I mean, Ed was uh, he's at ArcBest. He was really kind of one of our first customers that helped us really identify a really important problem to solve that became what MacroPoint is today. So just humbled and proud to be a part of that and and I know I speak for our, the broader team that you know we've been at this for 13, 14 years and and, and we're still as excited as ever about the innovations in front of us.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I know, I know there, there's a lot of tough times going on for, for people right now in, in the market, but there's a lot of innovation that happens when everything is sort of burned to the ground. You know, the, things got to rise from those ashes. And, you know, all, only, you know, a lot of the, the stronger and newer visions are going to come to light after that happens. So, Dan, appreciate your time today. Where can folks follow you, follow more of your work?
1: So, uh, I mean, connect with me on LinkedIn. That's the social tool of choice that I use. Um, (laughs) MacroPoint.com, Descartes.com. Love to hear feedback, thoughts, ideas for our next innovation.
0: Absolutely. Thank you again for your time. And I'll make sure to put all of that in the show notes just to make it easy for folks to check out.
1: That'd be great. Thanks, Blaine.
2: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everything Is Logistics, a podcast for the thinkers in freight, telling the stories behind how your favorite stuff and people get from point A to B. Subscribe to the show, sign up for our newsletter, and follow our socials over at everythingislogistics.com. And in addition to the podcast, I also wanted to let y'all know about another company I operate, and that's Digital Dispatch, where we help you build a better website. Now a lot of the times we hand this task of building a new website or refreshing a current one off to a co-worker's child, a neighbor down the street, or a stranger around the world, where you probably spend more time explaining the freight industry than it takes to actually build the dang website. Well. That doesn't happen at Digital Dispatch. We've been building online since 2009, but we're also early adopters of AI, automation, and other website tactics that help your company to be a central place to pull in all of your social media posts, recruit new employees, and give potential customers a glimpse into how you operate your business. Our new website builds start as low as $1,500, along with ongoing website management, maintenance, and updates starting at $90 a month, plus some bonus freight marketing and sales content similar to what you hear on the podcast. You can watch a quick explainer video over on digitaldispatch.io. Just check out the pricing page once you arrive, and you can see how we can build your digital ecosystem on a strong foundation. Until then, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll see you all real soon and go Jags.